Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Norris. Uh, I get to serve as the senior pastor at Primber Church, which is the, the church behind this podcast. And our heart and hope with this uh, podcast is that it allows me and other members of our teaching team to dig deeper into God's Word, to discuss major takeaways from the series that we're currently in, and, and then think of the various ways that we can apply it to our everyday lives. This week, we're, we're giving you a little, of a little bit of a preview and a prequel to the series we're about to start on Sunday, which is uh, a series on Exodus. We don't have any fancy title with this one. We don't have any subtitle with it. We just, we're just calling it Exodus because we want to walk through uh, this book in the Bible, which is an incredibly important book and significant book, as all the, all the books of the Bible are, obviously, but... One of the things that we hope you'll see in this podcast this week is that uh, there's a lot going on in the book of Exodus that at first reading, perhaps you might not pick on, pick up on, or maybe even perhaps several readings of it. And uh, so the very nature of a podcast like this, of digging deeper, so to speak, is to help pull some things out of it uh, that as you read it and as you hear it taught in this series, you go, wow, okay. I'm beginning to see the work of God in some significant ways, in some beautiful ways that I didn't necessarily see um, in the past, if you have read it before. So thanks for joining us. We're excited about diving into this book and what God has for us. I'm joined again with uh, by Caleb Click and, and Bob Cargo, members of our teaching team. And uh, guys, you know, I think probably the first question that we would want to uh, address and think about is... Why Exodus? Why this book? Why, why you know, would we go back to uh, the beginning of the Old Testament and really sink our teeth deep into a book like this? Um, what what are our thoughts behind that? What's driving our our desire to do that? And and uh, you know, I think as you'll tease out for us here in just a moment, I think what we're going to see in the books book of Exodus is that. Um, there is a significant amount of what God is laying as a foundation here for how even we read the rest of the Bible, not just the book of Exodus, which is which is uh, really, really important. But what are some initial thoughts that you guys have as, as you think about why this book? Why would we teach it? I think my first thought with this is this is... Uh, there's a famous quote, and I forgot who said this, but you know, the, the most important thing about you is what you think about God, that if you have a, a false impression of what God is like, um, that's going to affect the way that you live. That's going to affect your experience of Him. Um, and and revel and not Revelation. That'd be a totally different book. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about Revelation. That's what I want to do. So uh, this is a we're, this is supposed to be about Exodus. But yeah, Caleb going, wants to talk about Revelation. So we're going to talk about it's Revelation. A, it's a prophetic moment. The Holy Spirit has led us to do a change. No, I'm I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, in the book of Exodus, though, I I, I think you have uh, God revealing himself in a way that undermines all of our false perceptions of him. Um, you know, in the book of Exodus, you have th- this moment where God, for the first time, is revealing himself to his people, not just as one who makes promises, but as one who keeps them. And, and not only keeps them, but shows himself to be uh, a redeemer, um, a redeemer not only for Israel, but for the nations, and whose redemption has an impact um, on all things. And uh, when you, you think of this book, 
um, you know, God is is saving a people. I mean, this is almost like I think when I think about the Book of Exodus, it's pretty much the gospel of the Old Testament. This is the gospel engine that drives everything that Israel is called to do. And we have this idea sometimes that uh, the Old Testament is irrelevant to us; that that's something that's part of the past, and even that God seems to act differently in it. But if you read the book of Exodus, you see the paradigm for the redemptive work of God that finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. I mean, it is, uh, this is a gospel book um, for gospel people, and it has a direct implications for the life of the people of God here and now. Mm, that's good. Yeah. yeah, I think that, uh, you know, increasingly what we find uh, where we are in the American culture is, first of all, there are fewer and fewer people who really even know the stories of the Bible, you know, and know where they fit. I remember a number of years ago now meeting with a guy who visited our church, and he said, I, I, I do woodwork, and one of the things I do is I make these little replicas of of uh, Noah's Ark and animals. And he, then he leaned in over lunch and sort of whispered, I don't even know where this story comes in the Bible. Mm. He said, I've heard of Abraham, I've heard of Noah and Moses and Jesus. I have no idea what order they come in. Mm. And so I think increasingly, there are people that don't even sort of know the stories. But the other part is there are probably too many of us that know the stories, especially Old Testament. It's just a story. Yeah, We don't know the meaning of it. We don't know the relevance of it. And so I'm excited to look at Exodus, just as Caleb said, uh, that we would see the deep significance of this book you know, for us mm-hmm. and, and how it really is relevant to what we face today and what we're going to face tomorrow. Yeah, you know, that reminds me of early on in my ministry, I was, I think it was maybe my second year in ministry, I was uh, leading Campus Crusade for Christ or crew um, at the University of Southern Mississippi. And um, I don't remember, I was preaching, teaching one one night at our weekly meetings out of an Old Testament book, don't remember what it was. Um, and there was, a, there was a college student who came up to me and just asked, the question and she it was I just remember her face she was so perplexed so confused and she just asked the question um, now you're you're talking about this but didn't this happen before this and this happened but and and I started understanding that she was she had the undergirding belief that the Old Testament was all chronological in the way it's laid out in the in the Old Testament Bible so that you know if you're reading in Job you know that that's chronologically when it happened according to the way the books are laid out. And it was just, it was eye-opening for me because like, oh, wow, I'm taking for granted a lot of what people assume about how the Bible is even laid out, that it's, the books are not in chronological order. And, you know, and even studying the Old Testament, uh, we have to remember that even as teachers of like, wow, this is, this is something that maybe our people don't understand. And so a little bit of a side note to say, um, that's okay if that's where you are. It's okay if you uh, go, yeah, I've heard of the book of Exodus and maybe I've read parts of it and I know, maybe you know the story of the Red Seas in there, the parting of the Red Sea. But but one of our aims in teaching this book is to try to help you wherever you are, whether you are very familiar with the book of Exodus and where it fits into the story of what God's doing throughout human history, or you go, yeah, I just know it's a book in the Bible. I don't even really know where it fits or what's in it or anything, no matter where you are, we want to be able to help you enter into this in a way that is extremely helpful for you. And here's the key, extremely helpful for you in understanding who God is, his character, um, the way that he interacts with his people, 
and that he is a redeemer. He is a redeemer who keeps his promises. Because here's the thing, and this is what we can maybe talk about here for a few moments. Think about where the book of Exodus starts in the story, in the story of God, the big narrative that God is laying out. Uh, Exodus is the second book of the Bible. You might know that just because we just know Genesis, Exodus, right? You, you know those two come first. But what's interesting is, here's how the book of Genesis ends. The very last book in the, in the book of, uh, verse in the book of Genesis is, so Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, Joseph is the one who uh, was placed in Egypt by God and in a kind of a... Uh, some really strange and difficult circumstances for him that led him as this one of the sons of Jacob to to be in Egypt as an Israelite. And uh, God gave him favor. He's he has become essentially the ruler over Egypt in practice. And uh, through Joseph, God brings the family of God through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He brings them to his to Egypt. Now you pick up in Exodus verse one. And it says, these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household, and it lists the 12 sons of Jacob. What it doesn't tell you is there's been a 400-year gap between the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus. And as you begin to read a little bit more in the first chapter, you realize Joseph has been forgotten. There's a new king, obviously, over the course of those hundreds of years. And the people now who are descendants of Joseph, the Israelites, are massive in number and they're enslaved. Uh, they're enslaved uh, by the Egyptians and their lives are horrible. And um, they're asking the question, where's God? There's this, there's this God that we know that our ancestors followed, but we haven't heard or seen of him in forever. Um, and uh, do they even know his name? Do they even know who he is? Uh, what would you guys, as you even hear that, set us up, set, set the listener up and the reader of Exodus up of what's going on even in the first chapter of what the Israelites are feeling, what they're experiencing. Maybe there's some assumptions that we've made about who they know God is or who they don't know who God is that that would be helpful to, to hear. I think one thing that... There's a couple things, I guess, to say about this is, you know, God's people, the, the people of, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you know, God has made specific promises to them. You know, that he is, he promised Abraham that he was going to bless him, that through him he was going to bless the nations, that essentially somehow his family line was going to be the means through which the the effects of the fall are overturned. Uh, you need to go back to that Genesis 3, somehow his offspring is going to crush the serpent's head. Um, so you have this promise that the hope of all creation depends on, uh, and these people have seen God faithfully protect that family. Uh, they've seen it with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. They've seen it in how God used Joseph. Uh, but now, like you said, you know they're they're in Egypt and they've been there for years. I mean, generations. I mean, it's, uh, this is not like they're one generation removed. This is like generation after generation after generation have lived and died in this land. And God, the God who 
has promised to be with them, who promised to uh, make them a great nation, he's at work in their midst. Like you actually see it in the text. It tells you, you know, that he's made them a great people. That the reason the Pharaoh's fe- afraid of them is because of how many of them there are. But that's paired with this incredible experience of oppression and pain and sorrow. I mean, uh, you know, as you read through the first chapter, uh, Pharaoh is not only enslaving them, he's not only putting them to work, but he's having all of their boys, all the male children, as soon as they're born, the order of Pharaoh is that they're taken to the Nile and they're drowned. Uh, and you think about it, if you're a people who for 400 years have been living in this land, you're not in the land yet that God promised to give you one day to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Uh, Joseph's been forgotten. Uh, you haven't seen or heard from God outside of the, the, the oral tradition that's been passed down. Uh, you don't recognize his hand at work and the, the way you've multiplied, but you just watched your children die. You know, I, I couldn't imagine the trauma and the questions that would raise about God and the doubts that are probably plaguing them. And, and that's what makes Exodus such an incredibly helpful book in my mind is God in the midst of this, that kind of pain and despair reveals himself to a people who are, it says in the text, they're groaning, but it doesn't even say who they're groaning to. Yeah. They, they don't even, it doesn't even give a hint that they're calling to him. Right. Do they, um, do they even know, like I said earlier, do they even know God's name? Yeah. There's no, there's no suggestion that they're crying out to God, right? Exactly. And, yeah. and God sees his people in pain. He knows them. This is not, uh, he's, you know, God's timing is always strange. You ever look in these stories. God does never work on the, in the time frame that we want, but God has been setting them up to know him as one who's truly faithful. Right. Like you wouldn't know him as a God who keeps promises or a God who's faithful generation after generation, unless generations pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is the moment when God chooses to reveal himself and he gives them a name to call him by, which they, they have the name. What they don't know is the implications of it yet. Yeah. That's what's new here. Can you imagine what they're feeling? Like I just try to even sit in that for a minute, you know, like, and you were, you were certainly hitting on that, Caleb, of, what would you be feeling? I mean, like, even if they knew Genesis 12, right? Even if they knew Genesis 15 and 17, like all these promises that the covenant that God had made with Abraham, and it's through you and your family, your seed, Abraham, that all nations are going to be blessed. Yeah. And even if they knew that, perhaps through oral tradition, they know that. They, they've been told, hey, this we had this great, 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 great grandfather who God said this to, and they're going, well, that must have been a lie. Like, look at Look around us. Our kids are being thrown in the river. We haven't heard from God in generations. Is he even real? Like you know, you imagine right what they would, what they'd be feeling. I mean, you can. When we, we get into the mindset of what they were feeling is significant. Okay, well, I want to ask you something you just alluded to. Mm-hmm. The the story here in the first part of Exodus about yeah. the the death commanded of the newborn males. Yeah. Are you saying that was a repeated thing through, during these 400 years, you think? Or was this a one-time thing? Or it certainly wasn't an every generation thing. No, I think it's the present one. I don't. I don't. I think it's specific to that Pharaoh. Okay, all right. Yeah. That, so it's, it's the present generation who've already had the, the longevity of being yeah. in, in Egypt, but now are experiencing mm-hmm. that kind of trauma. Yeah. Well, back, you know, back to what they're experiencing and what we experience. Uh, let's face it, most of us uh, day after day, night after night, wrestle with things. And often it is the thing of, Lord, how long? Mm-hmm. How long am I going to suffer yeah. what I'm suffering? Yeah. You know, you don't seem to be answering. Or 
how long will I be oppressed by this addiction in my life, mm-hmm. this habit that I'd like mm-hmm. to get rid of mm-hmm. that's oppressing me and holding me in bondage? Or, Lord, how long will I every day get up and try to do the best I can, do what's right, do what's good, and I still feel like there's not a real purpose or meaning? What What is this all about of what I'm living? And, you know, Exodus, I think, speaks to all these things, yeah. you know? And... uh I'd put it this way, we, as you said, Jeff, we don't have a subtitle for this series, but I thought if we did, uh, you know, it could be Exodus, and the subtitle is, God, please get me out of here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> i, I yeah. got to get out of here. Yeah. And what I've realized looking at Exodus is this, the slowness of God getting them out of there, the process by which he got them out of there, which was very messy, and the purpose for which he got them out of there yeah. are all contrary to what they might have imagined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for us. We we live lives with personal painful sufferings, with addictions, with problems, with a sense of of hopelessness or meaninglessness or purposelessness. It's like God, get me out of here. And what we sometimes fail to see is is God's up to that if we would understand what he's up to. Right. Uh, but that may mean he's slower than we think yeah. or want. The process is is messier than we think. And the purpose that God has in mind for us is better. But I know from a very deep experience of suffering I had in my mid-20s, when I got in touch with what God was really up to in those things rather than what I wanted, it was life-changing in a positive way. Yeah, uh, I had a peace with God and a purpose for living and a walk with God that was improved because I got onto His agenda <laughs> and His process rather than my agenda. And I think my hope is, is people hear Exodus— that they're going to be like, oh, now I'm starting to get it. God has not forsaken me, and he's up to something, but it's bigger than what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, the Scripture doesn't tell us this, but I'd like to believe and, and, and think it's okay to believe this, that there were, there were people in those generations between the death of Joseph and the beginning of the book of Exodus who did remember their God, who through oral tradition and, and but here's the thing, and this is what I, the point I'm trying to make on this. They died without ever seeing the promised land, the yeah. promised land, the, the, the promises of God be true in their generation. Um, and that's a hard reality sometimes, right? There's that's the hard reality sometimes as followers of this great promise keeping God is that He is a promise keeper, He is faithful. But sometimes in our lives, we don't get to see the fruit of that promise the way that we would have hoped, right? But it doesn't mean that the character of God has changed at all. And that's, admittedly, that's hard. You know, I think about the number of people who I have, who I talk with on a consistent basis who are dealing with chronic pain, right? Chronic something physically that um, unless God intervenes in a miraculous way, which he certainly can, and bring healing. Uh, the reality for them is that they're going to be in pain until God brings them home, and that's hard. That's really hard. And you can identify certainly now with with these Israelites of going this groaning of you know, like you said, Bob, get me out of here. Um, and God, do you not care? And if you're real, why don't you intervene? And you know, these kind of heart level groanings that we have. And, and and I think the, well, before I say that, I feel like, Caleb, you, yeah, I can well, tell I you're going to say something there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, I think 
as as we've just been saying here, you know, all of us can re- can resonate, I think, to some degree with this this groaning, this feeling of the brokenness of this world, both in our our life experience. Um, and, and I think something that's universal is it doesn't matter. You, you may believe in God, you may not. It doesn't matter uh, what your faith tradition might be. Uh, all of us are looking for something to give us refuge and security and peace and some form of salvation, even if it's temporal. Um, it, it may be I'm trying to make as much money as I can just so I, I can have the comfort that I desire. It, it could be that if I can just get a relationship, I'll feel loved, like whatever it might be. And if you look at the book of Revelation, or not, golly, I keep coming back to this. <laughs> you really want to talk I about really Revelation. I really want to talk about man. Revelation, guys. Um, the letters to the churches are extremely significant. You should know this. Uh, no, in the book of Exodus, though, God is not only is he reminding his people and revealing to them the full extent of who he is, but he is declaring to the watching world yeah. that there is only one place where there is true refuge that can be found. There's only one redeemer. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think about everything God does once he starts to move through the the medium through the the mediator that is Moses. Uh, God is basically going into the nation of Egypt and going, guess what? Uh, you're looking at an oppressed people who have no power. They can't save themselves. Moses can't save you either on his own. Uh, but I'm a God who is greater than this earthly king. He's the most powerful man in the world, and yet he can do nothing to stop me. And I am. And if you think about the way that it worked there, is whoever was the whatever nation was the most militarily powerful, they were the, the strongest. Their gods were considered to be the strongest. Well, what does God do in the Book of Exodus? He essentially God by God uh, shows that there is not a single Egyptian deity that comes close to even comparing to him. Uh, He's the one who created all things and to whom all things must bow, and he demolishes them in every way, and he does so for the sake of people who can't save themselves. If only they will come, and it's an invitation for all of us to go, we are trusting in things that cannot save us, but here's a God who actually can. And, and I think that is the, the takeaway here is that this is God wants to be known as the one who cares for the broken and those in bondage and those in need and who actually has not just the power but the desire to save. Like I love that they don't call for him and yet he comes. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the kind of God we have. That's, yeah. And, and uh, that's the gospel, right? I mean, and, and I want to come back to that of, of how we see even in this book – uh, the the foundation, if you will, in so many ways for how the redemptive narrative of God is going to play out in the rest of the Bible. Uh, but to to what you were saying there, Caleb, and even as we think back to what what we were hitting on uh, previously, you you have trying to really enter into what must have they been feeling, what what was going through their minds, what were the doubts, what were the fears, what were the yeah. the struggles. Um, and they groan, but like we said a moment ago, there's no indication in chapter one that they're groaning to God, right? They're just having the very natural human instinct of groaning because they're suffering. But then look at verse 24 of chapter two. This is this is the, the hinge verse, in my opinion, of where we begin to see the purpose of what God is doing. Uh, and it says, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. 
I mean, just wow. That's a, that's a wow verse of, you know, all four statements. And God heard, and God remembered, and God saw, and God knew. It's all the active part. It's the action of God towards his people. It's not the action of the people towards God. It's not that, hey, God's people remembered. God's people saw God. God's people saw God. God's people knew their God. It was none of that. It was God moving in action towards them because of who he is, because of his character and because he's a promise-keeping God, his faithfulness, right? And, and how that even begins to uh, be teased out throughout the book of Exodus, but then throughout the rest of Scripture is really, really significant. Seeing the connection here, and by the way, I hope our listeners realize that our podcast is a little bit like a trailer for a movie. <laughs> and, and so we want to tell you all there listening, if you hear these things in our sermons, you know, expect that, okay? That's right. That's right. We're, we're giving you a foretaste of what's coming to the sermon, so we're not trying to dodge it another direction. Right. So uh, That's exactly right. Uh, you'll hear a lot of this again, uh, hopefully teased out in a greater way. But uh, Jeff, what you're talking about in terms of what God's up to makes me think about two books in the New Testament. The book of Hebrews the people of God are suffering. And in chapter 11, he says, basically, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. To put it in the way that Paul put it in one of his letters, we walk by faith, not by sight. And that's the hardest thing about, for me, every day is to walk by faith, not by sight. If I look around, I get discouraged to trust God. But I have to keep my eyes on him who is unseen And Moses, in Hebrews 11, is one of these people in the hall of fame of faith who, by faith, made these choices and led the people of Israel out by faith. And even as they rejoiced leaving Egypt, it all looked hopeless again and again and again and again, you know, in the story of of Exodus. And they had to keep walking by faith. And that's what God's wanting us to do as well. Keep walking by faith, put our eyes on Jesus, fix our eyes on Jesus, uh, and another book of the New Testament I think about is 2 Corinthians. Yeah. At this time of suffering I alluded to earlier in my mid-20s, the book of 2 Corinthians became very uh, deeply uh, encouraging to me. It was a bomb for my soul because it said God is with us in our suffering and he's with us in our brokenness. And in fact, that brokenness and suffering becomes our platform to serve other people. And I should expect that I am a jar of clay. And the miracle is that there's this treasure in this broken jar. Right. Yeah. And I need to focus on that. And for me, I would say the book of Exodus is for sufferers and sinners and people that are going through hard times and people that are like, I'm not sure God's with me or not. And so if that's what you're experiencing and it's what we all experience, <laughs> hopefully the book of Exodus yeah. is going to be a movie you like. I was about well, to say, I, that, yeah, I was about to say that's all of us, right? Yeah. And yeah. A movie, I like that, a movie we like. <laughs> Caleb, one one final thought, and then I'm going to wrap us up for Yo, this yeah. podcast. So I think one piece here that is important to remember, sometimes we, when we think about God's redemptive work, um, we think all of it as our, with ourselves as recipients. Um, but there's a reason that up to this point, the, the Genesis, the book of Genesis is building up to this moment when God uh, claims a people for himself, not just a family, but a nation. And he, he, in this book, he's redeeming them, and he redeems them for a reason. 
uh, they are to be those who make him known to the world. Like you look at how the first half of the book of Exodus is God's redemptive work. Israel does nothing. God does everything. The last half is God saying, hey, and now here's what I've redeemed you for. As a nation, as a people, you're to image me to the world. And you know, we've just finished the series, The Image of God. Well, this right. is, as, as a community, that's what they're intended to do. Um, everything that God calls them to is about making him known to the nation so that all would know him as the sovereign redeemer. Yeah. And that's what he's redeemed the church to as well. That's what yeah. the purpose of our redemption. That's good. That's where we'll head in our next podcast. We'll we'll touch base again about halfway through this series. And and by then, if you're tracking with us in the series, you'll, you'll see a lot of these things that we've mentioned today. Uh, you know, brought brought out in our teaching and and um, as we dig more into the book, but also you know as we as we circle back around in the next podcast, you'll you'll see some more themes coming out. Certainly, the theme today has been uh, that we are like the Israelites. We we struggle. We we feel deeply the groanings of this world, and we long to experience um, a God who who enters into that with us and redeems us in the midst of it. Uh, but we're, we'll also begin to see um, how uh, what we see in the book of Exodus, as Caleb is referring to there at the end, his last comment, uh, we're starting to see the the foundations and the thread work of the gospel being played out in this book, but in a way that is that is giving a nod towards how God is going to continue to engage with his people in his redemptive purposes uh, throughout the rest of the biblical narrative. And... Uh, and uh, Caleb, Caleb's telling me you got you got one more thing. I just wanted to, uh, I'll bring this up because maybe this is why I keep mentioning the Book of Revelation. <laughs> in, in, the book of, in the Book of the Revelation, the Holy Spirit prompted the wrong book, and that's like, be maybe the right I should book. go look at it. Go real for quick. it, man. In the Book of Revelation, John starts the letter in the first five verses, and he says he says this thing about Jesus. He says he's the firstborn from the dead. This is verse five, the and the ruler of kings on earth. And then it says to him who loves us and has freed us, think of that Exodus language, mm-hmm. from our sins by his blood. And then this is straight from the book of Exodus about the people of God and make us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Um, this is a gospel book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's for us and speaks to us. Yeah. And and it's uh, supremely relevant to where we are right now. Yeah, think about to the to that point. Think about the yeah. many times the New Testament writers, well, and just all throughout the rest of the Bible, Old Testament prophets yeah, yeah, yeah. keep referring back to the Exodus. Yep. They keep referring back to what God did in the Exodus as a uh, as a image and a precursor and a uh, you know foreshadowing, if you will, forerunner of how um, the Redeemer Christ would come and deliver his people. So uh, lots of fun things to get into in this book. Uh, Hopefully things that you're excited about hearing. Uh, Listen, to those who are listening, thank you. Uh, We are so grateful that you've tuned in, uh, that you've taken the time to to dig deeper, so to speak, with us. And uh, our prayer is that this podcast would be a blessing as you live out a lifestyle of worship, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. And uh, we certainly hope that the Lord will use these discussions that we have here among the three of us uh, in a life transformative way to to bring the kingdom of God and all of the ways in which he longs for us to flourish uh, with him and in him, that he would bring those things to bear. Um, 
couple of items before I sign off here. Be sure and check out our other Perimeter Church podcasts. We do a we do one called Thinking Biblically, not as regularly as we do this one, Digging Deeper, but check out those three that we've done so far. Um, hopefully, uh, you'll find a lot of good things in that. And our weekly podcast of our Sunday morning sermons is something you can always check out. If you have questions or comments for our teaching team, uh, you can send those to diggingdeeper at perimeter.org. And lastly, head over to perimeter.org forward slash podcast, where you'll find show notes on this episode, on each episode that we do, and resources mentioned in the podcast and of every episode, key takeaways, questions, those kind of things. You'll find those all there at perimeter.org forward slash podcast. Until then, until our next uh, Digging Deeper podcast, uh, be blessed, walk with Jesus, and we'll see you next time.